it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you're listening to this, welcome to the Often Taunted Podcast, where if you are listening to this after that piss-poor ball protection and shooting on part of the program, you follow like an absolute religion. Let me tell you, you're not crazy, and yes, you do deserve better. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you all. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I know I did skip uh, two games. I, I mean, I'm usually money at getting these out the day after each game, but uh, yeah, there was just so much with the with the holidays going directly into my sister's wedding last weekend. Um, I do appreciate anyone checking back in. Now listen, as an avid podcast crusher myself, I I understand that you want to give time to a show that is going to be reliable, is going to be there, and that's why I appreciate you guys and you guys understanding uh, just the break that I took there um, over the holidays and uh, a week of wedding festivities for my sister, who uh, will be flying back to New Zealand here. Yeah, so... I, I truly appreciate you tuning back in. Yeah, without further ado, as I will in each episode, I will be breaking down the game from the night before. In this case, I'm going to be sharing some of my thoughts from the last three games, um, because the last two I haven't been able to record an episode for you. After recapping the latest games, ending with the Rutgers performance we just saw and uh, begrudgingly sat through, I'll be getting into some of the latest news around the program within the Indiana program itself before getting into some of the Big Ten and national news out there in the college basketball world. Following that, I'll dig into some of the results we saw around the conference. And you know what? I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to be an Indiana fanboy and say, yeah, Purdue's loss at Nebraska did it did help my feelings a little following that Rutgers performance. But, okay, yeah, so following those results, we will get into a preview of the upcoming opponent, this one being the Minnesota Golden Gophers, before getting on to a who's your history hit and getting you on out of here. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and uh, without further ado, let's just get started um, with the Hoosiers 86-70 to loss at the hands of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Now, this is, like I said, I just watched Purdue lose to them just now, just now, right before this time of recording, and I have to say, it hurts a lot less. I know it isn't all relative, it isn't all just plug in place, and it's the results are the same, but man, that, that, that helps that helps a little, selfishly. Sorry to anybody. It just helps because I am that nervous about the state of in, of basketball in Indiana. In the and I, when I say in Indiana, I mean the actual state of Indiana. If Purdue actually finds success in the tournament, it's going to be a dynamic shift in uh, yeah, just the culture of my state almost. And yeah, that that on behalf of the Hoosiers in that Nebraska game in that Lincoln environment, Indiana opened up the new year with a loss to the Cornhuskers. It just. It was a it was a gut wrenching loss because it was just a lifeless performance in, in in a performance that saw the return of Xavier Johnson that saw the return of Kellel Ware. It was just an utterly despicable outing by the Hoosiers. They should have been up. They should have been hey guys are back. Let's get it going. But uh, unfortunately, there are two Hoosier teams in this Hoosier team, and one of them does not respond well to being hit in the mouth. It, it's truly unfortunate for any of us that just pray for this program to get some fight, get some, uh, I, I don't know if it's fight because man, just the way that we do not have any production from the backcourt, any reliable production, it just, it, 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 it just kills me, kills me, kills this team's chances in a way environments in this conference. And, uh, yeah, that in tandem with the lifeless defense, the Hoosiers were rolling out into Lincoln, like the, the, the defense, the defense, the defense, the defense looked utterly lifeless. 
to to an extent that Nebraska should have seemingly won this game by far more than they had, and they had won it by 16 points. Their 16-point win could have easily been a 25-point victory with the defense that the Hoosiers were rolling out there. The lack of backcourt production, the defense, and then the turnovers. The turnovers, those three things are the tale of this this game. 19 turnovers in that game against Nebraska, which we saw more of that today in the Rutgers game. The, the, the deflated effort dictated every facet of this game. This, this Hoosier team looked flat, and uh, every single facet of their game looked flat in turn. It, it's damn near impossible to come away with a victory when you're giving up the ball at a rate of 19 turnovers in a game. Damn near impossible to overcome that. Nebraska was able to score 27 points off those turnovers, and th- that, that right there is ultimately the catalyst for the Indiana loss, if you ask me. All those compounding factors against the Hoosiers. And then, of course, Kasai Tomonaga decides that uh, he was going to have his game. The game that everybody was hoping to see from him all year. Like everybody, I'm saying not Hoosier fans because Kasai is a fan favorite if you don't, even if you aren't a Huskers fan right now. And he had his game here. And, and it just, uh, like, the, when, when it was happening, I just thought to myself, of course, we were on the receiving end of his best night of ball all season, all season long. His best night we were on the receiving end of. While, while rationalizing that, it was starting to get harder and harder for me to do the mental gymnastics of, boy, it's crazy how they just get so hot against us. While trying to convince myself that that this isn't just a result of poor defensive strategy and poor defensive effort. I, I don't know what the solution is. I'm not paid to. Mike Woodson is paid to know what the solution is, and it's time to instill one. It, it, that, that thought of mine was extremely apparent after that Nebraska outing. And in speaking of guys showing up and having a game, like just such an unfortunate game for Rink Mass to return for after uh, going down with a, I believe, an ankle injury. We could have really, really used one of those, uh, in, quote unquote, Indiana's opponents missing their best player games for sure. Just an absolute bummer of a performance in Lincoln. Kalel with 20 points, 10 rebounds, a double-double for Kalel. That's going to happen. That's what Kalel does. 9 for 12 from the floor. Very efficient day for him. Very efficient day for him in Lincoln, but... Uh, it wasn't one of those essentially superhuman performances that the Hoosiers would need to beat most teams in this conference with the production our backcourt was giving us. And I say our, our backcourt, Trey, Trey Galloway had 10 points in this. He did. He, he, he attributed 10 points to the outcome. Xavier Johnson in his return gave us a goose egg in the points column. And it's not like he was like the key in distribution to make up for that lack of production. As he was, I mean, he led, he was third on the team for assists in that game with three tying three other Hoosiers, and uh, everyone had to think, yeah, okay, it's X's first game back. He's due for a game where he has to figure it out. I mean, luckily, that Ohio State game, it looked like he had started to figure it out before he did just the reasoning of Xavier Johnson just came crashing down in that Rutgers game. Absolutely incredible that that movie pulled. Just so disheartening to see your captain do that, and uh, yeah, just a bummer. I can't say I'm disappointed in him. I'm not his dad. He's a grown-ass man. They're his decisions. And uh, damn, that was just a sorrowful one to see done in an Indiana uniform. Yep. Oh, sorry. I, I, with the three-game format, sorry. I'm going to get used to, I'm going to get back to those single games. I just wanted to share a few of my thoughts since I've been out so long. I mean, hey, I, I, I make this podcast as the last drop of Hoosier content out there after you've, all, you've, you've already listened to the smarter guys than me. Um, so... Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fluff it a bit. I'm going to talk about the games that I didn't get to talk about. Back to Nebraska. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Xavier Johnson, zero points. Uh, 0 for 3 from the floor. He only got 14 minutes. But but what really stood out was he he contributed greatly to those 19 turnovers, though. And in that 14 minutes, he had four turnovers for the Hoosiers. 
tying Malik and Kalel for the most on the team with four. Relatively quiet outing for Malik after uh, we, we've seen him just keep blossoming, keep blossoming. He is becoming a player to fear in this conference. He's becoming an all Big Ten type guy. He isn't there yet, but uh, it's glad to see even in these down games, even in the roller coaster that was these three games, we do have that down the pike. Like that, that is around this team that we've all been like, hey, there is potential there. We need to see it like starting to progress, and this team could be something totally different come March. It is good to see that we are getting that from Malik, and to to an extent, Kalel. Like we we see the motor that he has now. Like he is going to do it. Maybe the roster around him isn't constructed in the best fashion to have his production translate into victories but uh he is bringing it he i mean him and malik are the two shining points on this team right now they are the two things to be excited about to they are the two pieces of evidence that this team could do something as for any other evidence i'm i'm striving i'm, I'm not striving i'm i'm desperately searching for those pieces of evidence to uh, believe that this team can, will be able to figure it out will be able to put it together and will be able to compete in the tournament if we if we get there god bless yeah, I mean, I, I I could dig into each of the individual guys in that game. I'm not going to. It, it just, I could dig further. I mean, like, maybe. Like, Gabe Cup, credit to him. He was able to make sure that he didn't turn the ball over, as he had zero turnovers. Compared to the veteran experience present in our backcourt, who had eight. Uh, the, the, like, there was a, sh- a little shining moment in this game. Another thing that I had thought that the Hoosiers could build on was the fact that in that Nebraska game, they shot nine for 18. Um, need to get more shots up than 18 from three if you are shooting at 50%, but uh, 50% conversion rate is something we haven't seen this season, and I was grateful to see it, even even in this loss. I, I, I was happy to see that they were hitting the shots they were taking, even though they should have been taking more. Indiana came into that game as five point five and a half point underdogs and played so far under those expectations. It's truly disheartening. My, my, the good, the bad, and the ugly for that game, I'm not going to play the intro. I'll only do that for the Rutgers game for you. The good, the bad, and the ugly in that one. The good, Kalel's double-double, I guess. Um, the bad, all of it. All of that Nebraska game. Um, especially Indiana's starting guards contributions. And most of those contributions being, unfortunately, turnovers. The downright ugly, those turnovers. The ball security was downright ugly. The defensive closeout effort to uh, get out on a hot Tomonaga, to get out on Nebraska's high-volume shooting, three-point shooting team, it was, it was lackluster and arguably unacceptable. God, it's... You know, like, there was one point where you're like, man, this is unacceptable, and that would sound ridiculous. Like, some of these guys are getting paid real money to, uh, like, yeah, it's a little less ridiculous now that there is real money in this. That there is real allowed deals happening to get guys into positions where they are being paid to perform. They are. So it's, it's a little less ridiculous to be to be calling out defensive efforts now than it was prior to NIL, I would say. Your show, Walter Fish of the Game, for that abysmal Nebraska outing was Kalel Ware. Galel Ware, 20 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Just a reliable outing. And, uh, yeah, a Galel Ware double-double in a loss. He's going to get his, and uh, more power to him. More We invited him here to build up his resume for the NBA, and he is d- doing every bit of that by posting these double-doubles each night. On to the Ohio State game. Now, the Ohio State game, I had to watch the following day, as uh, my sister, being the genius she is, and uh, knowing how many people would just love Indiana basketball, also the Indianapolis Colts uh, scheduled her wedding for the time in which they were both going on. I know, she, she didn't have the foresight, and that, that's understandable, so I'll forgive her. Yeah, same time as the Colts-Texans was on, and uh, I'm sorry to all the listeners out there who may be living for the shoe, 
But if I had to pick one team to win that Saturday night, it's the Hoosiers. It's always the Hoosiers in my book, even with the playoffs on the line. I, I want Big Ten wins for the Hoosiers above everything. Above everything. Well, I want a title, like a national championship for the Hoosiers above everything, but always the Hoosiers first. While my Colts failed me, my Hoosiers didn't in this game. And if I would, if I could trade that win, that Ohio State win for that Colts victory, I don't, I don't know if I would. I don't think I would. Colts aren't winning the Super Bowl this year. They're not winning the Super Bowl this year, and uh, unless they, unless I legitimately thought they had a shot to, yeah, who, who needs to be bounced in the playoffs next week when there are Big Ten wins on the line? Like, like win, winning that one game only to lose the next for the Colts, no thank you compared to the Hoosiers getting started with a 3-1 and one record in the Big Ten. In this game, when I saw Ohio State get out to the 10-0 run out of the halftime break, I had begun to fear that it could be curtains for our guys in this one. I've seen it before, and uh, I, I've sadly, in a way, almost come to expect these guys to mail it in after being dealt a blow like that to open the second half. Indiana's ability to respond with the 9-0 run to bring the score to 46-45 with about 14 or 15 minutes ago, following that and a scoreless stretch by the uh, Hoosiers, by both sides. Both sides just couldn't sink a shot there for so long. With about 12 minutes left, we saw Malik return, and the Hoosiers figured it out, found a way to get the win, largely on the back of uh, Malik Renew. While Malik had 23 points, 19 of those came to him in the second half. When I say he came in and, ha- and closed it out for the Hoosiers, and like he, he closed it out. That second half, 19 of those points in the second half. Malik Renew is destined for great things in his time here, and at times it's incredible this leap this guy is taking. The, the, the leap this guy has made in his physicality and in his game on the offensive side, yes, I, w- I maybe a little more on the defensive or the rebounding side of the ball could be useful, could be insanely useful right now because the Hoosiers rebounding is abysmal. But on the offensive end, he is getting more physical with his game, and in this one, I, he had a respectable seven rebounds. He was also able to limit himself to a single turnover in this game. With, with his overall performance, I am now convinced more than any point prior, this is Malik's program. Malik is beginning to take over, and it, it's good to see that despite Indiana's inability to find truly reliable shooters through development, the development of Malik into a Big Ten problem is still right on track. After the Ohio State game, I, I was so happy to see an X seemingly actually back. He, he looked lost comparatively in the Nebraska game. And in the postgame, X was quick in this Ohio State game to point out he just got back and he he let the game come to him. He slowed it down. And thank Christ for that in the Ohio State game. He looked far more comfortable while at the same time being far more comfortable in managing the game throughout this one. Following up the fumbling of turnovers in the Nebraska game with a turnover-less performance is exactly what I had thought we needed from our super, what I thought we needed our super senior captain to do. We, we we needed the ball security in Lincoln, but we got it in Assembly Hall against the Buckeyes. You wish we could depend on it, but after that Ohio State game, I was taking it where I could get it. 18 points from X in this game while sinking both of his three-pointers on the night, while also adding three assists and committing zero turnovers was just the game we needed from our sixth-year sen- super senior. Our sixth-year super senior. I cannot stress enough, this guy has been here six years, and we need to be able to rely on him for that. We can't rely on him to stay in games now, it seems. But more on that in the next game. This was a great performance from him. Not taking away anything in that one. Did well against Ohio State at home. Again, after after hemorrhaging four turnovers in the game prior, uh, just credit to Trey against Ohio State for being able to respond following that just lifeless Nebraska performance right along with X. While Trey only converted two of his eight attempts from the floor, he was able to really make a difference in his distribution. Um, not now, now having taken more responsibility and in initiating the offense and in turn, 
he, he creating more looks for the Hoosiers to offer their opponents. Trey was able to dish the ball for an impressive seven assists on the night. C.J. Gunn had, I would say, his breakout game. This was another breakout game. We thought that he could build on the last one. I was hoping he could build on this one a bit more, but he he was a true asset in the Ohio State matchup. Where the, I'm I'm just left thinking after all this, am, am I a basketball idiot? To think C.J. Gunn should be able to do what he did in the Ohio State game for us every game. He, he went four for seven from the floor, hit one of the two threes he took on his way to 10 points for the Hoosiers. And am, am I crazy to think that we should be able to bank on that by now? Yeah, I'll answer my question. Yes, I am. It was a big day for C.J. as him, Malik, and Xavier were the stars of the night. Like, they were the second half Hoosiers. They were the only Hoosiers to produce. Uh, to the bottom line in that second half. Those guys were so important to coming away with that victory and just having one less loss in conference here. Indiana's defense has been downright terrible, and uh, after the Ohio State game, I was glad to see that they were able to hold Roddy Gale and Bruce Thornton scoreless from behind the three-point line in that game. Those guys are some high-volume shooters who produce on the offensive end, who get buckets, and the Hoosiers were able to slow them down, down. Now, that could largely be credited just to an off night of shooting because, honestly, I, I can't, just based on the rest of the season, you can't really be like, man, but that's a staunch Hoosier defense that could have caused it. You, you just can't. Uh, it was a better effort. Hopefully that contributed to it, but it was probably largely a off night shooting for Ohio State as well. Despite the win, Indiana gave up 22 offensive rebounds to Ohio State. Without Indiana being able to have an entirely better shooting performance than the opposition, as they did in this game, this should have been a loss through this statistic alone. 22 offensive rebounds. The Buckeyes ended the night with 49 rebounds in total compared to Indiana's 27. This ultimately equaled Ohio State being able to take 11 more attempts from the floor than the Hoosiers got. That usually spells a loss for a team, as it largely did in the Rutgers game. But uh, somehow the Hoosiers won the game with Ohio State, despite that statistic. The good, yeah, we're going to go through the good, the bad, and the ugly on this game. The good, Malik's development really starting to make itself known. As immediately after this game, he had three of his most productive games in, co in his college career over his last four outings. Indiana protecting the ball. They protected the ball very well, and that was largely due to X taking ownership of the game far better than he had against Nebraska. The bad. If Ohio State's high-producing backcourt was sinking shots at any rate whatsoever, they very likely win that game. That's, that's bad. And the downright ugly, the rebounding. The reason that if those guys were hitting anything whatsoever, that Ohio State very likely wins that game. Your show, Walter Fish of the game for that Ohio State game was Malik Renew. 23 points, 7 rebounds, 1 block, 1 steal, 1 assist. 10 for 16 from the floor. Malik Renew is becoming a certified stud in this conference. And uh, yeah, we, we needed every bit of it here as the Hoosiers scraped out that 71-65 to win at home. And now we are at the point of the show where we are finally caught up. Act like this is the beginning of the new one. This is the latest episode of the Often Daunted Podcast where I am breaking down the Rutgers game for you. Welcome. <laughs> I don't skip a beat. I could be out a week. I could be out two weeks. Uh, I'm back in it. I'm right back in it. And boy, what a time to come right back in it. What, like, you, you know I'm serious about being, being, hey, that was the wedding. That's not because I don't want to record it. Because if there was a game that I did not want to record after, it was this one. It was this game. Indiana falls to the Big Ten winless Rutgers Scarlet Knights, 66-57. And at the time of this recording, uh, X is a very toxic place, calling for the head of Mike Woodson. I, I keep wondering to myself, like, I, I, I am not ready to go through a coach change again. I'm not. I, I want to keep giving Mike Woodson an opportunity to figure it out, to get the most out of these guys. 
down seasons are going to happen as coaches. Uh, I just, I just, I don't want to wait on another guy to get his guys. Like maybe I'd rather learn. Maybe I'd rather sit through some some guy learning for a season who what type of guys he doesn't want, and then being ready for the next one. I don't. It's it's just it's all over the place. My emotions are all over the place following a performance like that because it's the biggest problems for the Hoosiers in this game were things that the Hoosier personnel, the individuals that make up this roster, should have been doing for eighteen years of their lives by this point. If, if they've been playing basketball all their lives, like hustling to rebounds, how'd you get here without hustling for rebounds? Hitting free throws. How'd you get here without hitting free throws? Where are these? Where are the aspects of this team? They definitely were not here for the for the Rutgers game. In, in regards to those just facets of basketball that the Hoosiers struggled so hard here with free throws. The, they're called. They're free. They're free. And the Hoosiers went four for fifteen from the line. I would think that you could go to a CYO basketball tournament, and most teams should be able to go maybe six for 15 from the line, like a CYO, like seventh grade basketball tournament. This is a team of D1 college basketball players. It's, it's a, yeah, that, that is, that has to be a, like a red flag for something. I'm, I'm not speculating. I'm not going down that rabbit hole. That's a very unhealthy rabbit hole for me to crawl down. But it's, it's, that is a bizarrely terrible outing at the charity stripe. And one that has you worry about far more than just the free throw shooting because that bad of free throw shooting is almost indicative of something else wrong with this program. How was Rutgers able to beat us in this one? It was just through sheer force of will on the boards, honestly. Like 51 rebounds as opposed to our 40. 19 offensive rebounds as opposed to our 8. From those 19 rebounds, Rutgers was able to bank in 12 second chance points. 12 second chance points that made the difference in this game. That in hand with the free throws we just left at the line. That right there is 12 plus 11 free throws missed. That is 23 points for you. A 23-point swing in in regards to offensive rebounds allowed and free throws missed by the Hoosiers alone. It's just all indicative of just, I hate the quote-unquote body language being talked about so much. But it's a genuine problem at this point, and it's in, it is unavoidable in this team. I've never seen a group of guys been be able to be so down bad on themselves it, it's that that just fuels into our just the lack of fight in this squad right now or at times it's a it's a lack of fight for the in the battle of the boards at this point we are far enough into this season it is not a thing none of this is luck this is where we're at right now and as much as i'd like them to i, I don't think these numbers lie as much as i would like them to with with the way that ruckers was shooting the basketball with the way ruckers is performing right now an average big 10 team an average Big Ten team should have been able to win that game with a D-plus performance. The only problem is the Hoosiers had a crazy F. Nobody more so than the Indiana backcourt. The Indiana backcourt production was non-existent in this game. A lackluster performance should have gotten a win. A lackluster performance. Indiana got little to nothing. Xavier Johnson with two points, two assists, five turnovers, all in his 23 minutes played. Trey Galloway, four points, going two for ten from the floor. With three assists and two turnovers. Again, Trey was at being asked to do a lot as he was forced to once X did what he did. So yeah, he's, he's being asked to do a lot. He's not a primary ball handler. He's not built for it. But alas, that's the position he finds himself in as the captain of this team now. When uh, X is going to put him in the corner like that. He's been better at finding ways to distribute and become. He, yeah, he's trying his damnedest to become that player that we need him to be at times. But it, it just wasn't enough from him in this one. But, yeah, I brought up Trey first because, yeah, it was just a poor outing from Trey. But I really wanted to get into the Xavier Johnson stuff. Like, Xavier Johnson came out with much of the other side of his game when compared to the Ohio State game. 
This was the other side of the coin. That is Xavier Johnson. Little ball security used on behalf of the Hoosiers throughout the entirety of the first half as uh, Indiana turned the ball over 11 times. They were able to follow that up with seven more in the second, craziest of which being that just errant pass by Anthony Walker. I mean, that that was the moment I knew the game was over. You, even when down like 11 points, I'm like, oh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Now, when that pass started an offensive possession that we desperately needed to score a bucket in, I was just like, that's curtains. But yeah, the, the turnovers, the, the largest committer of them in this game was Xavier Johnson. He was careless with the ball in the time that he had on the court. And then even more maddening, because it is maddening. He's a, he's a sixth-year senior. With about 13 minutes left in the game, he gets hit with the flagrant two ejection for uh, hitting below the belt. That that came immediately. What what a nonsense sequence. What a nonsense sequence. Just just so disappointing to see. I'm not his dad. He's a grown-ass man making his own decisions. And this was a bogus and intentional one that is just so absurd to see from, some, from somebody with his experience. Following his performance, I was floored to see the Indy Star Award their first ever 0.0 rating for his outing here. And instead of leading this team with the demeanor you would think that a sixth-year senior would be able to, he was a liability in ball security, with the most egregious being a blown opportunity to take the lead into the half. And instead of taking the lead into the half, getting some confidence, you know, hey, we will rah-rah the troops now that we, we, got, we got a little confidence going. Instead of taking that lead, uh, a fumbled dribble results in a big Rutgers three at the end of the half. Just a killer series of events that I wish was his most egregious act on the night. Lone bright spot, as it was in that Nebraska game, as it was in most of, in most of the Hoosiers' worst performances, was uh, Kalel Ware getting his stats. I said the rebound was pathetic, and on the offense, on the defensive end, it definitely was. But Kalel Ware was still able to haul in 17 rebounds. That's an outlandish amount of rebounds, and uh, credit to him. That those are some Zach Eady against lesser competition numbers, and. Uh, Incredible to see that uh, incredible to see him haul that many in. Thirteen points, seventeen rebounds, three blocks. Kalel still got his today. I, I would say Rutgers wanted this game more, but honestly, with how bad these teams were performing at times, with how often they were turning the ball over, almost in hopes to give the game away, it was almost like it was definitely not who wanted it more. It was who didn't not want it less, I guess. If that makes any sense. Oh, I want to bury these so far into the ground. I want to forget about them forever. I want to be optimistic about what lies ahead and you know, you know what I'm gonna I'm of course I'm gonna find a way to be I just I, I always somehow do I I can be down on these guys until tip until tip that moment at tip I, I I truly have something wrong with me where I think the Hoosiers are gonna do it I just always do and it, it, it it's performances like this Rutgers one that truly break my heart and have me sit in a moment of reflective perspective at each conclusion bury that one onto the next the good, the bad, and the ugly for that one. Hmm. Oh, yeah, let's play the intro for that. You're good. CJ getting more run with the first squad, I guess. Yeah, let's uh, say let's say I was scrounging for ones, and uh, the only good I was able to find was, uh, yeah, let's, let's throw on Kalel's 17 rebounds, sure. Kalel's 17 rebounds were hurt. Were huge. But, uh, yeah. The one of the only other good things I got out of this game was the fact that CJ was able to get more minutes with the starting squad. The only problem is that those more minutes came in response to Xavier Johnson with the boneheaded decision to uh, hit below the belt, which is just that's I mean that's that's sucker stuff. That's sucker stuff. The bad rebounds, rebounds. Ter- I mean they bad. They were bad. The bad, <sighs> very very bad on the boards. Come on guys free throws and boards. This is stuff we've been doing all our life, right? 
the downright ugly Xavier Johnson with the below the belt cheap shot, ultimately removing the super mega senior. Like I, I can't stress the sixth year thing, like the COVID and the injury. He is a super mega ultra deluxe senior. If fifth years are called super seniors, he, the super mega deluxe senior captain ultimately removed himself from a game that we needed him to show up for. The other downright ugly for this game, the cluttered mess down low when we knew Omarui was going to be a problem there. Why did we keep pressing the issue to get the ball? I mean, yeah, I guess it was our only option. We, we oh. Shooters, I want shooters. Shooters, I want shooters. We need shooters. God, crazy. Yeah, downright ugly was that cluttered mess. Us trying to force the issue, force the ball into the interior because we weren't getting any shots to go. That, that, that was a downright ugly mess. Following the Hoosiers' loss to Rutgers, 57-66, to the numbers, a.k.a. Ken Palm, now only have the Hoosiers favored in two games remaining on their schedule. Two games. And while I've been bashing the numbers and been just like, whatever, dork, talking the numbers right now, man, those numbers are looking to lie less and less with the way that this team is currently performing. I don't know who it's going to take. I don't know what it's going to take. Um, but Mike Woodson... You're paid to figure out what it's going to take. Let's go. Show Walter Fish of the game for that uh, less-than-awesome performance against the Scarlet Knights. Kalel Ware. Because, again, that's what tends to happen in these games. Kalel is going to get his line while the Hoosiers fall into pout till the whistle mode. Showing, showing a little fight towards the end of that game, but, man, those, those body language experts out there on all the socials you see are, are starting to look more and more right about this team. It's a sad state of affairs, and man, it is time to get right. Desperately need that get right to come when when Minnesota visits us in Assembly Hall. Again, I'll be talking about that following this Indiana news for you. SI slash fan nation writer Jack Ankeny shared that Ken Palm has predicted the Hoosiers to go an astounding one for seven this month, with the only win being against the Gophers in Assembly Hall. And so far, we are on track to beat that outcome, that 1-7 and seven record he has for us on the month, now that we have that Ohio State victory in the bank. But uh, yeah, 1-7, and seven, that's downright disrespectful. But at this point, and coming off that Rutgers game, you, I, I can't fight. I can't fight on behalf of the Hoosiers right now for anybody saying that the Hoosiers aren't going to do well right now. What, what evidence do I have to point to that they're going to be able to figure this out? I'm, I'm looking desperately, please, if, if you have some evidence, tweet me, blah, blah, blah. Reach out in any way whatsoever. Help me out. This isn't a podcast. It's a it's a cry for help. <laughs> Thanks for sharing uh, those Ken Palm projections. Uh, Jack Ankeny, writer for SI and uh, Fan Nation. Some love for the women's program here on the Often Daunted Show, as uh, earlier this week. Grace Berger was welcomed back to Assembly Hall for the first time since being drafted to the Indiana Fever this last offseason. And in that in her visit, the Hoosiers were able to get the win over Illinois thanks to a huge game from Mackenzie Holmes and have moved up into the 14th ranking in the nation. A little update for Hoosiers in the NBA, as OG Ananobi was traded to the Knicks from Toronto this week. And I think since his trade, they, they're like 5-0 and or something. But uh, in his debut for the New York Knickerbockers, he had 17 points and 6 rebounds as the Knicks got the win over Minnesota. OG Ananobi might be the most... At this point, the most respected Hoosier in the NBA, I don't mean like on the their careers altogether, but like right now what he's doing, what he's doing on the floor, Trace Jackson Davis is killing it, but who's done it for long enough to be a reputable factor at the next level. Oh, it's got to be OG, right? 
And yeah, in regards to Trace Jackson Davis, Trace Jackson Davis, I mean, he just continues to shut down the haters, putting up beyond reliable rookie numbers in the last week for the Warriors. Just Tuesday, Jalen Hutchifino got called up from the G League South Bay Lakers to the Lakers, and uh, his addition shores up some depth in the Lakers' backcourt right now. Joe Tipton shared the recruiting update for number three recruit in the class of 2025, Darren Peterson. As Darren Peterson has whittled it down to eight schools, those being Baylor, Kentucky, Kansas, Ohio State, Arkansas, Michigan, North Carolina, and Indiana. And last bit of Hoosier news for the week. Congrats to Mackenzie Mbako, who was named the Big Ten Freshman of the Week following the Kennesaw State game, uh, where he had 14 points in as many minutes, going uh, four for five, shooting from the three. Of course, yeah, that that was his performance prior to this week, which uh, I don't think that he would be the Big Ten Freshman of the Week. Ah, let's get on to some Big Ten news and uh, some of the results around the conference. With James Madison losing to Southern Mississippi and Ole Miss getting eviscerated by Tennessee, and now Houston losing to Iowa State, the 76 Hoosiers remain the last undefeated team in college basketball history. Just figured that was uh, worth noting here on the show. Second piece of uh, Big Ten news for you. After AD Ward Manuel said just a few weeks ago in a statement following the Sanderson incident, you know, the, the one in which he said, quote, Juwan Howard will return to the Michigan bench Saturday against Eastern Michigan in, total, in his total capacity as head coach. Coach Howard, his doctors, and our medical experts remain aligned in taking this next step as he recovers from a September heart procedure. The return of the usual coaching structure comes after a review of an incident involving several individuals during a team practice last week. Based on a thorough internal review, nothing was found to warrant disciplinary action for anyone involved. As such, we will move forward with a focus on our team and our season. Now, three weeks after just sharing those sentiments to the nation, Ward Manuel must have been in for quite the shock when uh, Michigan fans saw Phil Martelli heading up the Wolverines on Sunday when at Penn State. it was It's just an entirely bizarre situation in Ann Arbor as uh, Jawan Howard continues to look like he, he just ain't it for a fan base that has luckily gotten to support football long enough to not have to truly marinate on the state of the basketball program just yet. It's, it's incredible that Jawan Howard is somehow putting his feet up as the Big Ten play really gets kicked off here. With his ass in the hot seat. His ass is legitimately in the hot seat, and he's putting his feet up right now. It's a wild move. It honestly gave me a feeling he, he's all but out at this point. And not too long after Purdue's Matt Painter had a uh, minor meltdown following a loss at the hands of Northwestern, it seems that losing to Northwestern is the catalyst for Big Ten coach meltdowns. Just somehow, despite how many games Boo Booey can, has proved, he can will them to victory in. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's Izzo. Some players I had before this, that's disappointing. That's not Spartan basketball. Yeah, they were physical as hell. I mean, I didn't like that. And then the other side of it, I loved it. My guys didn't play as hard, so that falls on me. It doesn't fall on the players because nothing falls on players anymore. understand that. It wasn't the, the stats, you know. All you analytical guys, you know. I hate analytics. Sooner or later, you're looking at a guy's heart, you're looking at a guy's eye, and then you find out about a guy. What does analytics mean here? Does it mean we won the game? Analytics are crap. Oh, it's so funny that, that the new Big Ten tradition is just having a coach meltdown following a loss to Boo Booey. I, I, yeah, I just wanted to share that for anybody out there who who may have been under a rock the last week when uh, Izzo's meltdown was just some of the biggest news around the college basketball world. With those minor stories out of the way, let's get into some of the results around the conference. With, well, yeah, I got I got quite a lot of results for you, um, just because I had all the ones since the last time I recorded. Yeah, we're talking Stonehill. You know, the, the team that almost beat the team that just beat us by nine. Rutgers welcomed. Ken Palm's 349th ranked team, Stonehill, with Dylan Harper and Ace Bailey both in attendance, as Rutgers was able to hold on for the 59-58 win, just barely avoiding an utter disaster. Clifford O'Marui's size stood out in this one, 
as he was able to score 17 points, but more impressively, haul in 17 rebounds. Michigan State hosted the very highly regarded Indiana State, where following a close game for most of it, Michigan State was really able to pull away down the stretch. Tyson Walker with 22 points and five assists for the Spartans. The Spartans then followed that up by hosting Penn State, where Sparty was able to beat the hell out of the Nittany Lions, 92-61. to Malik Hall tied his career high in this game as he led Michigan State in points with 24 on the night. Michigan State wrapped up their play since our last recording went on Sunday. MSU lost 74-88 at Northwestern. Every Wildcat starter hit double digits as Boo Booey tacked on 10 assists for the double-double. A uh, real tough post game for Izzo. That's just <laughs> that's just the story of that game. Roddy Gale Jr. led the Buckeyes to victory over West Virginia, 78-75, in an overtime game at the Legends of Basketball Showcase in Cleveland with a 32-point showing. He also shared the rock for six assists to go nicely with that point total. Ohio State then played and beat Rutgers in Columbus, 76-72, as Jameson Battle hit six threes on his way to 22 points. Bruce Thornton with the game-high 24. They then got beat by us, because that's what we do at home. <laughs> we win. God. Oh, thank God they, those, those guys weren't finding the bucket then. Wisconsin reconvened their Big Ten schedule, hosting Iowa on Wednesday, as the Badgers hold off Iowa, 83-72. Tyler Wall led the Badgers with 19 points, as Wisconsin had four starters in double digits. Tony Perkins tried to will it on his own, as he was able to drop 25 points, including two for two from deep for the Hawkeyes. Iowa then hosted the Scarlet Knights, as Iowa beat Rutgers, 86-77. Peyton Sanford had a performance that the Hawkeye fans might have thought they'd have seen from him more and more on this season, as the villain had 24 points while going 5 for 8 from deep. After that Iowa-Wisconsin game, and after Nebraska gave us the absolute business, the Cornhuskers went into Madison, where the Badgers beat Nebraska 86-72, as five Badgers hit double digits in points, with Tyler Walls 17 leading Wisconsin to victory. Minnesota went into Ann Arbor as Michigan lost another game at home, 73-71. Michigan tried to fight back in this one, but a 3-for-11 night from Doug McDaniel doesn't bode well for Michigan's odds in a game with the uh, way their current roster is constructed. Following this loss at home, Michigan took to the road on Sunday when they were beaten by Penn State as Phil Martelli retook the reins and coaching responsibilities for the now-beyond-floundering Michigan program. Ace Baldwin Jr. did it all for the Penn State Nittany Lions with 24 points going 8-for-13 from the floor. The Nittany Lions were able to win despite Kanye Clary's 5-for-20 shooting for the night. Sure, you're going to have 18 points, but uh, at the cost of 20 attempts, you would think that that would usually spell failure for Penn State. It, it definitely wasn't the case against Michigan. Marcus Domask has taken the reins of Illinois after the suspension of Terrence Shannon Jr., and the Illini haven't skipped a beat as they won the battle for Illinois against Northwestern in Champaign, 96-66. for 96 to 66. Domask was able to drop 32 points and dish six assists as he has taken over primary ball-handling responsibility for the Illini. With attendance at 79% for a game hosting the number one team in the nation, Maryland attendance continues to leave much to be desired for the prospect of how intimidating away games there may be this season, as Purdue beat the Terps 67-53 in a game that didn't even seem that close. Jameer Young tried but failed to do it all himself as he scored 26 points as Maryland's only double-digit producer. Zach Eady with a 23.12 rebound double-double. Following that game, Maryland also headed to Minnesota, since our last recording where the Golden Gophers were able to beat the Terps 65-62. to I'll discuss that one a little bit more in the preview to come. Purdue hosted Illinois Friday night, where the Boilermakers got the 83-78 to victory over the Fighting Illini. And Trey Kaufman-Wren had an unexpected performance in his 26 minutes on the day, as he was able to sink 8-12 of 12 from the floor on his way to 24 points. Then the Boilermakers headed into Lincoln, and much like the Hoosiers, got beat. Got beat. Actually, by the same margin that the Hoosiers lost to Nebraska. Yeah, again, I I have to say, 
it didn't hurt my emotional state seeing that that upset following just that poor, poor outing from the Hoosiers. Selfish, I know, but I needed something to pick me up. Now, with all the results in through Tuesday, January 9th, we have Wisconsin heading up the Big Ten up top at 3-0. and Following them is Minnesota at 3-1. and After that, Illinois at 2-1, and Northwestern 2-1. and and then you have the collection of Purdue, Nebraska, and Indiana, all at 3-2. and two. Here's hoping that we can add Minnesota to that grouping in the uh, matchup to come Friday. And uh, that is a matchup that I will be getting into right after this word for our partner. The Often Daunted Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Big Banter Sports. Big Banter Sports, just a collection of... Big Ten-oriented basketball and football podcasts. And uh, I just wanted to shout out the Indiana Football Podcast for the name change. They were the LEO Podcast, and what is understandable is the idea that they definitely need a new name with Coach Signetti taking the reins. And uh, that's why you can check out all the uh, Transfer Portal talk, all anything regarding that Indiana Hoosier football program. You're going to want to check out Michael, Brandon, and Seth. Yes, even though Seth is a Purdue fan, uh, over at the Hoosier Happy Hour. Really great Indiana football content uh, for uh, anyone wanting to keep up with that portal movement. If you haven't followed me, you can follow me on all socials at Often Daunted. Everywhere at Often Daunted. Thank you so much. God bless. All right, previewing the Minnesota matchup. Friday evening, 6.30 tip from Assembly Hall, where the Hoosiers will be hosting the Golden Gophers on FS1. The Golden Gophers have greatly exceeded expectations so far, and currently find themselves on a seven-game win streak. Minnesota is currently ranked 78 in Kempom, with the number 8 adjusted offense and the number 93 adjusted defense. Heading into this, Minnesota's third season under head coach Ben Johnson, following their 9-22 start, their 9-22, 2-17 record last year, 2-17 in conference, Minnesota's expectations for the season were largely non-existent for anyone not familiar with the program. Most outlets had Minnesota firmly projected to finish last in the Big Ten, and they have exceeded these expectations so far on the year. This Minnesota team has really gone on to show that there is inherent talent, and there is a game plan to the makeup and build of Ben Johnson's roster. By, by no means are they the most talented side, but this team is showing a capability, but honestly a capability, but they're, they're showing more so a willingness to commit to Ben Johnson's game plan, and the program is trending in the right direction for that. Oftentimes, for this Minnesota team, it seems as though the Minnesota Golden Gophers will go as far as Dawson Garcia will be able to take them. Dawson Garcia picked back up right where he left off following uh, him retaking the floor to start the new year after he had missed the last three games of 2023 to nurse his ankle. And once all is said and done, the time in which the Golden Gophers had to turn elsewhere for production with uh, Garcia on the bench in that time, may ultimately end up being a blessing to this Minnesota squad, who was able to win those games even without him. Listed at 6 foot 11 inches, which I, I don't know if that's true. I, I don't know. He doesn't look that big. Dawson Garcia's basketball IQ allows his athleticism to really shine. Even with the height he possesses, he doesn't really rely on size to do much for his game. The manner in which he is able to dribble in the open court and pull up for a shot from anywhere on the floor uh, really makes him seem like a smaller player. Just, Just purely due to the nature of his game. Not a diss in that statement at all. He, he plays like a smaller, quicker game than his frame may have one believe. He currently leads the Golden Gophers in points per game with 16.7 and rebounds with 7.6. Junior guard Elijah Hawkins leads the Gophers' distributive efforts with 7.8 assists a game. That uh, 7.8 is currently good for second best in the nation among D1 players. Elijah Hawkins can cook if given the opportunity, absolutely, and uh, consistently looks to set his fellow Gophers up as pretty much the centerpiece and drink stirrer of this at-times high-powered Minnesota offense. After averaging 5.6 assists his freshman season and 6 his sophomore, 
both while enrolled at Howard University. The newest Gopher transfer has taken the reins in Minnesota and has not let go. Guard Cam Christie, brother of Michigan State one and dunner Max Christie, may possess the highest upside of anyone on this Minnesota roster. The 6'6 freshman has contributed greatly to Minnesota's success on the year so far, but he can easily fall into freshman-like tendencies uh, when pressured sufficiently. The freshman is contributing 10.6 points per game, 3.5 rebounds, and 2.3 assists per game, while also shooting 40% from three-point range. While he is shooting well from three, he does a majority of his damage from the mid-range. I, I, I hate the mid-range game. I, 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 I absolutely hate it. I think it doesn't make any sense, but Cam is a maestro there, admittedly. His handles in tandem with his ability to pull up for a quick one uh, make him a problem for a team not ready to bring pressure to him consistently. Lastly, just a note on Pharrell Payne, the 6'9 sophomore, down low for the Gophers. The only thing he can really hurt us on is the boards because Indiana is very liable to be hurt on the boards. His effort sees him hauling in boards at a at a 5.4 rebounds per game rate, and if left unmanned on box-out situations, as the Hoosiers have been a program to do this season, his rate at grabbing boards could help turn the tide in the favor of Minnesota, should, should the Hoosiers be as lackadaisical as they have been at times this season. Even even in that victorious OSU outing, if they're bringing that same effort on the boards, Pharrell Payne stands to pose issues um, on the Minnesota offensive glass. With just a couple of those guys highlighted for you, I'm going to say I, I still like Indiana's chances. I always like Indiana's chances, especially at Assembly Hall. It's at home. And and this is a, there are can't-lose games, there are must-win games. This is this is a must-win game. This Indiana team needs to get right and get right right now. I wish I wish there was concrete evidence that they are getting right. We have personal, we have guys whose games are getting right. But this team as a whole is not figuring it out, and uh, we desperately need this Minnesota game to go a long way in this team figuring it out. This team, this coaching staff, this program. So here's hoping we see just that. I will definitely be here Saturday morning for you recording. Well, Friday night, Saturday morning for you. The show will be ready, and uh, I hope you can give me a listen then. On to that Hoosier history hit for you. This is your Hoosier history hit. And for your Hoosier history hit, this is going to be a very light hit for you. I just wanted to shed light on a Hoosier, um, that being the Indiana basketball manager, Zane Shoemaker. Zane Shoemaker, shout out for what he is doing on the Indiana Hoosiers managers team in the manager games uh, league. And for the historic aspect, he is putting up historic numbers. For the Hoosier managers team, I I, I want to get into I want to get into the world of the manager games and just uh, see what it's about because the Hoosiers might have some ballers on those amongst those managers. Zane Shoemaker has been just lighting the season on fire. Two stat lines, but I'm gonna the, the one is just incredible. While while just earlier this week, Zane was able to sink 27 points and haul in 11 rebounds as the Hoosiers got the win over the Nebraska managers, 75 to 63. It was uh. Zane's effort against the northern, the North Alabama managers, that really, really blows one away. In the Indiana basketball managers uh, game against the University of North Alabama basketball managers, the Hoosiers were able to get the victory 119-71. to This game played on December 20th. Yes, I'm, I'm, it's, it's so historic it's roughly three weeks old. Zane was able to get 61 points and five rebounds, a 61-point performance in Assembly Hall for Zane Shoemaker. Really light history hit, real, real light Hoosier history hit for you. And uh, just wanted to shed a light on a Hoosier making history in his own right right now. Way to go, Zane. Keep taking it to those opposing managers. Oh, with that one in the books, it's a late night. After getting to have watched that Purdue loss, um, 
than digging into this recording I'm about ready to call it. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Often Taunted Podcast. As I am here, I, I usually say after every game, uh, this is thank you again for understanding my uh, reasoning for not being able to produce the last two episodes and uh, bulking them into this one. We're going to have some better, uh, some fuller episodes. I, actually, this one's pretty big. I would say some uh, more fleshed out recaps when uh, I can really dig into the single game experience again an episode covering that single game experience will be available for you saturday morning following the minnesota outcome here's hoping i have a good time recording that here's hoping it's all smiles and laughs and i can be like hey we can count on that to show up more we can count on that to show up more unfortunately following that rutgers game that's just not where we're at here's hoping uh hoosiers can get right because we need to get right right now and uh i hope you and yours have a great three days here until our next recording uh, God bless you and yours. Take it easy, Hoosier fans. Lex that Veritas. Go Hoosiers down with the Gophers.